Okay, so I'm recording it so I can put it on my podcast later on today. Um, hi, Steve. Good to see Hello. you. Hello. You too. All right. Now, first of all, Lou and Marty, did you get an art scroll chumash yet? No. I'm waiting for a benefactor to get it for me. All right. I've got a good idea. Okay, and I've got a good idea. I think Lou, buy one for Marty. And Marty, you buy one for, for Lou. Oh, okay. What do That's you think? That's genius, Rabbi. I know. Then you both then you both get you, you both get a mitzvah of doing tzedakah. That's uh, okay. So uh, we've got a very these next couple of weeks are really really interesting. These are like some of the uh, fascinating you know Torah portions talking about all the different events that take place in the, the desert in. At uh, at Har Sinai, so um, this Torah portion is actually by Second Sons Bar Mitzvah Torah portion. It's called Baha uh, and it is chapter starting with chapter eight, and it talks about the menorah that was in the the tabernacle, and the consecration of the Levites. The Levites are Steve, that's Steve, right? Steve, you're a Levy. So, so what happened was... Yes, I'm a Levy. Sorry, I, I tried to unmute myself. Right. Uh, originally, what happened was the firstborn child was supposed to be the priest in the family. And then when the sin of the golden calf took place and the Levites stood up for Moshe, the, the Levites replaced the firstborn. So I don't know if... Howard or Amit or Lou or Marty or firstborn. I'm a firstborn. So basically Steve replaced me. Otherwise I would have been the. Like, and I'm a firstborn, but, it, but, but it is firstborn male, correct? Uh, firstborn male. That's right. I mean, the, the males are the ones that served in the. Right. Just, in the temple. Um, so wait, Marty, are you a firstborn? I certainly am. And Lou? No, I'm the last born. You're the last born. How about you, Howard? I am a lady, but I'm uh, exactly in the middle. Well, I, what about you, Amit? Uh, I'm the younger one. You are the younger one. Okay, so uh, what I really want to uh, talk about is something that you might have heard about, and it's very, very, very fascinating. So, Again, what happens in this week's short portion? We have a discussion about the menorah, which seems to be out of place. Uh, and if we get a chance, we'll come back and talk about it. Then we talk about the, what's called Pesach Shani. Have any of you heard of Pesach Shani? What, is, what, no. is the, which, what does Shani mean? Two. Two. So Pesach Shani means the second Pesach. Have you ever heard of the second Pesach? No. No. Okay. So the second Pesach was uh, there were certain rules that that had to be followed in order to uh, celebrate the first one. You had to be ritually pure. In, in those days, the time of the temple, the time of the Mishkan, if you were too far away or if you were impure, you didn't, you, did, you didn't eat the roast lamb on Pesach night. I'm not sure if you, I think you still did the Seder and you, you couldn't eat matzah, but there were, people that went up to Moses and said, we want a second chance. We, we want to be able to do Pesach ourselves. So Moses spoke to God and, and came back and, and Hashem told him 
that exactly one month later, those people who missed out the first time can celebrate Pesach the second time. So the message, the message is, we can again, that's not what I want to discuss right now, but the message is we always get a second chance. If we if we don't succeed the first time, we shouldn't give up. We should always uh, try again because uh, God wants us to succeed and he, and, and he always gives us a second chance. So, uh, Marty and Lou, you've got a whole week to make up and, and, get, the, <laughs> and get the Chumash. You can make it a... Okay, so that, that's the second. Then, then what happened was they would travel... Uh, and, and there's a description of the travels that when the cloud moved, then they moved. That's also interesting. And trumpets that were blown and how they traveled. You know, you talk about millions of people traveling in formation, men, women, and children, according to certain flags. That's quite, a, quite an operation. And then, um, then it says uh, in, at the end of chapter 11, it's, I'm going to read the words in Hebrew because probably all of you will recognize these words. It says, Vayahi bin Soa Ha'aron, Vayomer Moshe, Kuma Adonai, Vayafutsu Oivecha, Vayanusu Misanecha Mipanecha. Do those words ring a bell? Do you recognize those words? Lou's nodding his head. Anybody, okay, Lou, before you answer, anybody else recognize those words? I recognize a couple of the words, but I have no idea what you just said. All right. Steve, do you recognize those words? I'll read it in English. When the ark would journey, Moses said, Arise, Hashem, let your foes be scattered. Let those who hate you flee from you. No, I have not heard that. All right. Now, the next verse, tell me if you recognize this verse. It says, Uvenucho, Yomar, Shuva, Adonai, River Voice, Alpha Yisrael, which in English translates, and when it rested, he would say, reside tranquilly, O Hashem, or tranquilly, I should say, O Hashem, among the myriad thousands of Israel. That one you might not recognize. But uh, Lou, why don't you enlighten the rest of the group? Where, where have you heard those words? That's the beginning of the Torah service. Ah, do you want to, can you, can you actually, do you, can you sing those words? Do you, do, do you know the tune? I know the tune, but I I can't sing worth a darn. So now does it make sense? Oh, Steve, I, now it makes sense. Oh, absolutely. now you recognize it. You just I just needed to sing the words. Oh yeah. So those that first verse is when we take the Torah scroll out, and the second verse is when we put the Torah scroll back in. Now, then afterwards, it goes into Amit. You heard? You recognize that tune? Nah. It just sounded like the mumbling of some apes. I couldn't really hear any of you very clearly. <laughs> okay, you got to change those earbuds in your ears. You got to take those. You got things stuff stuck in your ears. That's why. I I can only hear what you're saying. Uh, not when I'm singing. Okay, you can't hear the chanting. And if no. and if your microphone is picking is picking up something else, I cannot. Uh, but I know okay. I know exactly what verses you're talking about. I okay. rec yeah. I recognize the melody. 
All right, fantastic. Okay, so so chapter 11, which comes right after these two verses, starts talking about the people complaining. And they started complaining. This is just after Mount Sinai. They left Mount Sinai. They haven't traveled more than a couple of days. And all of a sudden, they start complaining. And um, it doesn't really say what they complain about. Um, and there's a... a uh, like a fire that consumes the people who complained. And then in verse four, it says that they cried. So this is now a different complaint. So a second complaint, they said, who's going to feed us meat? We remember the fish we ate in Egypt for free, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and garlic. And now all we have is manna, is the man. Now, that's pretty strange for them to make that complaint. I mean, did they really, were they treated like, you know, like royalty that the Egyptians just fed them, you know, fish and uh, cucumbers and leeks and onion in Israel? I mean, in Egypt and, and the manna, which descended miraculously from heaven, tasted like anything they wanted it to be, the Midrash says. So what were they really complaining about? So they complained and uh, and then God responds to the people and he gives them like a overabundance of quail. There's like a like a down, you know, like a, a huge kind of swarm of quail and the people, you know, got sick and a lot of people died. And um, and then the Torah portion ends with another very interesting uh, episode where Miriam and Aaron speak lost and horror about about Moses, about Moshe, and she has to quarantine for uh, seven days. Um, and that also needs explanation what exactly was going on. But what I want to do is I want to go back to those two verses that I sang to you, or the one verse that I sang to you. There's something very unique uh, in the Torah right by those two verses. And uh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually show it to you um, and see. I'm going to uh, see if you can see this. Um, so you're looking at, I'm putting this as close as I can. Do you see, you see where those spaces are? And can you see that there are two letters that are like at the yes. before the two verses and yes. after the two verses? Now, can you recognize that letter? What letter does that look like? Do you know? My eyes aren't that good, unfortunately. I can't see it. All right. So if I turn it upside down, you might be able to recognize it. Um, so those letters are the letter Nun. You know the letter Nun? Certainly. So the letter Nun, it's two upside-down Nuns. Now, what does that means? It's in the Sefer Torah as well. It's in the Torah scroll. If you open up a Torah scroll, you'll see those two Nuns upside-down um, in the Torah scroll. So the rabbis obviously want to know what's going on and what the discussion is, and it actually turns out to be quite, quite revealing. Um, 
And there's probably many, many explanations. I'm just going to share one of them. Rashi says, Rashi says that um, that what Hashem was trying to do, he was trying to separate the events of before the Nun and the events after the Nun. So there was an event before the Nun, and then there were the, those two verses, and then there were events after those two verses. And it's so to speak that if you ever if you ever get to ask this question, how many books are there in the five books of Moses? I've actually asked that question and somebody didn't know the answer to that. But on a deeper level, uh, there is an idea that the the all the verses in Bamidbar before this nun are one book. Those two verses are a separate book. And then the verses afterwards are a third book. So you actually have three books in one. And then therefore in total, there's really seven books in the five books of Moses. So that's a little bit of a trick question. But what does it mean that there was a separation? So remember what, what, uh, what happened before these two verses was the Jews uh, left Sinai. And what happened after the two verses? So the one is that they complained. And the, and the other one is that um, they asked, what are we going to eat? And they spoke about all the free food that they got in Egypt. And they, uh, uh, and they, they only could eat the man in Egypt. So... The rabbis say that there was something that they did wrong or something that they complained about before these two verses and something that they complained about afterwards. Now, this is very appropriate for everyone that is uh, graduating from school this week or next week. Or I mean, when, when do you guys, you guys finish in June, right? Yeah, we, we finish in June. So, um, so the rabbis say that as inspirational as Mount Sinai was, uh, when the Jews had the opportunity to leave, they rushed away from Mount Sinai, just like kids who are leaving school at the end of the day or at the end of the semester or the end of the year, um, that they were only too happy to leave. Now, that's a pretty strong indictment. It basically means that it was too much for them, that they were resisting all the, all, all the, the mitzvahs that they were given at Mount Sinai. In fact, in fact, uh, one of the, the, um, the high points in the entire Jewish history is when the Jews were asked by God, do you want to take the Torah, do will you accept the Torah? So they said, Naase Vinishma. Have you ever heard those words before? Naase Vinishma? I've heard them quite a bit myself. I don't know about the rest of them. Okay. Uh, what do they mean? I mean, what does Naase Vinishma mean? We'll listen and we'll do. 
Wait, Naase Venishma. Well, oh, well, do and we'll listen. Uh, uh-huh. The order that, got mixed up. Okay, the, that, that's a very significant difference. What's the difference? Okay, so Amit is correct. Have you ever heard those words, Marty Naase Venishma? Howard Naase Venishma, you heard that before? I don't recall. Okay, so Naase means we shall do, and Nishma means we will hear. So God came to the other nations of the world, as the Midrash says, and, sa- and they said, and he said, you want to accept the Torah? And they said, well, what's written in it? And he told them what it was. And they said, no, no, we're not interested. And he went to a couple of different nations and he comes to the Jewish people and he says, will you accept the Torah? And they say, sight unseen, we will do and then we will look inside and we will study it. Now, this brings like a huge discussion, which maybe we can leave for the second half, because Steve and Amit, who came a little bit late, what I think we're going to do is we're going to go to 3.30, because Steve, sometimes you can only stay till 3.30, uh, and somebody needs to leave. I'm going to stop at 3.30, open the floor for questions, and if we need to, we'll come back. But Naseva Nishma basically means that I accept the Torah, even if I don't understand it. <clears throat> so some people will say, you know what, I'm Rabbi, I'm happy to do this and I'm happy to do that because I understand it, but this I don't understand, so I'm not going to do it. When I understand it, when I understand what Shabbat is, when I understand what Kashrut is, then I'll do it. But if I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it. I'll honor your parents. I'll honor my parents. I won't steal. I won't murder because that I understand. But the Jews at Mount Sinai and that extends really to all of us because we believe that all of our souls are at Mount Sinai. We said, Naseva Nishma. We didn't say we're going to study it first. Now, listen to this. One of the commentators says, what are those letters, what do those words start with? Naase is a nun and Nishma is a nun. And they turn backwards to represent the fact that the Jews, after they left Mount Sinai, they, so to speak, turned their back on the Torah and they said, we kind of regret accepting the Torah sight unseen. So that's the first complaint. And then the second complaint was a complaint about the food. Now, um, what, what the rabbis say is they don't, they, there's a, again, a, a little bit of a longer discussion. It would take, it would take an, almost a separate class to ex- explain this sufficiently. But, you know, we believe that the Torah has got many, many levels of understanding. There's a simple understanding called pshat. There's something called remez, which means a hint. There's something called drush, which is like midrash. And then there's something which is Kabbalistic and mystical. So very often the, the, the rabbis will, will quote something that is hinted into the, in the Torah, but it's not said explicitly. And so they, they say um, that they were really, when they were complaining, they were complaining about all the relationships that were forbidden to them now. You know, what, there, there's a list of people that you're not allowed to marry, that the Torah says. You can't marry your uh, brother's wife uh, if he's, you know, if he dies or gets divorced. You can't, you can't marry your you know, your sister's child, or, you know, there's a lot of forbidden relationships, and they were upset about that. 
but it's not said explicitly because uh, it was really subconscious. They complained about other things about the food and they really were complaining about something else altogether. And sometimes, you know, this is a good parenting uh, lesson and just a good something to reflect upon ourselves is many times we complain about something, but it's not really what we're complaining about. There's really something else that we're unhappy about, but we don't, and we might not even know it. It might be just subconscious. We, we, we say we're upset about, about what somebody's doing. And if we're not self-aware, if we don't really understand our motivations, we don't understand what our real complaint is. Um, so the good news is that uh, the rabbis say that when the world comes to an end or when the Mashiach comes, then those nuns are going to be reversed and put back in the right um, the right way around, which will represent that we accepted the Torah again, which means that, like I said, we all get a second chance. We've all got to hope. We've all got to hope that um, that we keep on learning Torah and we keep on uh, finding new and exciting things in the Torah so that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't turn our back on it, so to speak. And especially that's a good message uh, coming out of Shavuot and going into, into the summer. So it's 3.26. Let me take some questions or comments, what you thought about that. And then I'll open it up to any questions about anything. Um, so anybody got anything to say? I mean, if I were to ask you now to, if somebody, if Paula were to come on the call right now and I would say, Marty, okay, can you just give a short synopsis of what we just talked about? Do you, I am not going to ask you to do it, but do you think you'd be able Thank to, <laughs> do you think you'd be able to give a short synopsis? Or I met if, uh, Brady just came on right now. Do you think you'd be able to give a short synopsis of what we just did for the last 30 minutes? I, I, of course I could give him a synopsis. I don't know how good it would be. Okay, I fantastic. I like that confidence. You see, Marty, you got to be more confident. you got to just say, of course I could give a synopsis. Okay, so the synopsis again is... Whoa, 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 whoa. I never said I couldn't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, I'm good. glad you didn't ask me to do it. Uh-huh, got it. Okay. With the nuns, the backwards and upside down. Of course I could. Okay, fantastic. Okay. And uh, Steve, if somebody were to ask you, how many books are there in the five books of Moses? What are you going to answer now? He's going to say buried in Grant's tomb. Yeah. Five. I mean, and that was never an issue for me. One thing I do have, and I don't know if it's, you know, it's, it's a question relating to this. You said about, you know, they turned their back on the tour. So at least in my synagogue, and I'm sure others, when somebody takes the Torah and puts it back into the to the ark, yes. they, they 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 walk backwards. They don't turn around in their back. It, it's, and it made me think of that, Zev, when you say that, how people w- will do that. I mean, then when they go to the stairs, they'll turn around. But is that kind of from that? Is that you know that's a good that's a good question, Steve. I my guess is that it is connected. I think that you know there are I many think so too. There are many laws about respecting the Beit Knesset, the shul, and standing up when the Torah is brought into the shul and to, to you know, be respectful and to be quiet when the Torah is being read. So this is just, this is just part of it. But I think, okay. you might be, I think you might be right that you face 
you face the iron, you don't turn your back to it. Okay, very. that's a very good point. Um, all right. Uh, Lou, any, I, question, any questions about... Uh, but I Steve, the, 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 what I want to say to you is this is just... You can... You can over more, it's Memorial Day weekend coming up, right? So when you're sitting around with your family and you're just talking about stuff, you can say, oh, you know, by the way, how many books are there in the five books of Moses? And they're going to laugh at you. They're going to say, ah, you know, what are you talking about? There's five, of course. So you're talking about who's buried in Grant's tomb. And then you're going to say, well, actually, uh, according to the rabbis, there's seven books in the five books of Moses because the, th the fourth book is divided into three, into three separate books. So it's three, three, and one, which is seven. And then you can get into a whole big discussion about the upside down and reverse nuns. And you can talk about Naseh Vanishma uh, doing before you, you understand it. And you can talk about sometimes we complain about things and we subconsciously are really you know, upset about something else. So you can get into a whole big discussion and you can um, have a real Memorial Day to remember. All right. Okay, it's three thirty. I'm going to let Amit go first. Amit, if you've got any questions for a rabbi, if you were just on the train, on the plane, and you were sitting next to a rabbi, what questions would you would you like to ask him? Uh, no, I don't make conversation with strangers on planes and trains. There's nothing oh, they no. know. There's nothing someone sitting next to me on a train knows that I need to know. Wow. Wait, are you saying you never talk to someone on a plane or a train? Uh, I, I've tried. It's just they, they never seem to be fruitful conversations. Wow. Don't sit next to me, Ahmed, because I'll talk your ear off. <laughs> uh, see, I've just gotten threatened. Uh, well, no, <laughs> not even well, next to him yet. You're talking about, well, you're talking about someone you don't know. Steve, you, you know now. Met my mother. Oh, my God. Right. So, <laughs> Steve, what about. Who knows? Steve, what about you? Okay, but Amit, let's just say you were sitting next to me on a plane or train, and you could ask me anything you want. What did, we'll go around, we'll start with you, and then I'll ask Howard. If Howard, if you're sitting next to a rabbi, what question would you ask him? Well, before I ask the rabbi the question, I'm going to ask you to clarify something. Yeah, sure. About what you were talking about. Is it possible that the reason a second chance was given for the Seder and to participate is because how important remembering coming out of Egypt and that entire um, situation has been because that's in the Viohafta where you shall do this and do this and teach it to your children and remember coming out of Egypt for all generations. So is it also possible that that might be why the second chance is given? Well, I would say yes, but it, it brings up another question is, uh, are you saying that Pesach is the most important holiday in, in the Jewish calendar? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's one thing that from the time I remember being in Hebrew school and religious school, that was one of the first things we learned as you got into Hebrew and the Bielhafta was exactly we're always supposed to remember it in Britain and that we came out of Egypt as slaves. So I'm not saying it's the most important, but it also means it is important. All I'm saying is what you said regarding the second chance, could that be another reason why it was a second chance? Well, I would say it is, it, it's definitely, definitely the reason why 
they wanted to to uh, celebrate uh, that second time, uh, and it is it, it, again. There's probably many commentators who discuss this, uh, but the, the question I want to remain remain with you is. Uh, why did this episode not happen when it came to Sukkot, for example, or when it came to, you know, Shavuot in the next year? Why didn't they say, you know, well, why, those people who missed Shavuot, those people who missed, missed Sukkot or Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, they didn't come and get it. We don't have a second. Do you know that there are some people that eat matzah on Pesach Shani every year? Pesach Shani is a month after Pesach. Now you can... You can still eat chametz, but they actually have a custom of eating matzah on pay, on Pesach Shani. A, I, I didn't even know about Pesach Shani. B, um, I believe had we not left Israel, uh, the Egyptians as a slave, there wouldn't have been a Shavuos. Well, that's also true. That is so, also true. Although um, uh, you could also say the other way around, that if there wasn't a Shavuot, there wouldn't have been a Pesach. Meaning if, if God wasn't going to give us the Torah, then he wasn't going to take us out of Egypt. But I hear what you're saying. Okay. All right. So, okay. So back to Amit. Amit, you've now had five minutes to think about it. Next time you're sitting next to me on a train or a plane, and you can ask me a question. It doesn't have to be a big question. It doesn't have to be why do bad things happen to good people. Or, but just like what are some of the, the things on your mind? Anything. I don't know. I, I could ask you a cynical and silly question, but I don't think I could get much out of that. Aside from maybe slightly annoying you and slightly entertaining myself. I've, well, I've nothing to ask at this point. Okay, so what I'll to ask, you'll hear about it. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that your sensitivity. I would say that you should always have a question to ask a rabbi in your back pocket, because the same way, Let's just say you're sitting next to Marty on the plane and you, you, let's say you, you just found out that, you know, Marty was a, you know, investor and worked at, you know, CME and you are just starting to get into in investments. So uh, you're going to have on your mind something you're going to ask him. You're going to say, what a great opportunity. I've got a world expert on, uh, you know, stock market. I'm going to use this time, you know, and I'm going to ask him questions or, um, you know, if you want, if let's say you are studying, uh, how you, you just heard about rugby and you want to learn how to play rugby and you happen to be sitting next to me and you find out that I've played rugby, you know, for 25 years of my life, then you're going to say, wow, what a great opportunity. Let me ask you a question about rugby. You're going to, you're going to think about questions to ask. So, my guess is that your question is not so cynical and I probably have heard it before and I probably do have an answer and it probably will lead to an interesting discussion. So maybe you can find a way of asking it in, in a way that uh, uh, I'll be able to answer it. Um, and listen, this is, I can't say, I'm asking you first only because you, you're a student and you ask all kinds of questions all the time, but really we're all students and we should all be asking questions. Um, so I'll, well, I'll, I'll give you another chance at the end of the class. But is there anyone else? Howard, Steve, Lou, or Marty? Any, you got any I questions? Actually, I actually really need to go now. I have a lot of things to do for the rest of the day. And I have something to do in like five minutes. But Okay. 
Well, mate, I'll let you know if I have any questions. Marty, uh, mate, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Take care. As usual. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Anybody got any other questions? Yeah, Zev. So, you know, you read about the written Torah and the oral Torah. Yeah. Does one, you know, is one take precedent over the other? I guess it's something I would ask a, a Torah scholar if I right. met him on if I met him on the plane. Right. That's uh, so. The answer is that they really, you know, is your right arm, you know, more important than your left arm? Okay. Is your right, right. leg more important than your left leg? So you'd Great. say, well, I happen to be right. Great answer. Great answer. You know, right. my right hand is important because I write with my right hand. But if I didn't have my left hand, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. You know, no, I, 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 okay. They okay. they two they two you could let I, what what I would say is you can't have one without the other. Um, and then what would you say if you had to like summarize real quickly, what, what the basic difference? I mean, just, you know, say to somebody, what, what's the difference? Right. So the, I would say that the, the, there's many differences, but the, okay. the basic difference is just the definition. The, Torah, the written Torah is written down and the oral Torah was, was transmitted orally. It was passed down, you know, by mouth to ear. Uh-huh. You know, for many you know generations, and the the question is why was that? Why wasn't it written down? Why did it have to? Why why didn't uh, you know? Because I'll give you an example. Right, if they I, could write the, the written Torah, why why, why did you right, obviously right? God certainly could have told Moshe, "I want you to write this all down." Um, so I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. What I mean by that, you can't have one without the other. <coughs> Um, in the in the written Torah, it talks about keeping Shabbat, mm-hmm. about Shabbos. It also talks about shechting an animal, slaughtering an animal to for the, the offerings right. or for or to eat. But it gives absolutely no details or very few details about how to keep Shabbat. It doesn't give doesn't doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do. Doesn't tell you what you're not supposed to do. It gives very um, right, it just says keep Shabbat, keep it holy. That's and right, just, and it says it many, many it times. It does, say, it, it does say that you should not light a fire on, on Shabbos, but we know there are many other things you can't do. You can't. Right, I mean, where did it come in that you shouldn't ride and you shouldn't use money and all exactly. that? So that's, all these those things. are the rules that came from the oral Torah. That's correct, but what's important to know. And the proof, the proof is with the, the laws of slaughtering. I mean, someone might say, someone might say, well, you know, that just, the rabbis just made that up. Really, all that you're not supposed to do on Shabbat, you're not supposed to light a fire. Fine. So I'm not going to light a fire on Shabbat. So in fact, I very seldom light a fire altogether. I've heard, you know, I, I uh, um, and who's to say that turning on a, a gas uh, stove is lighting a fire and who's to say that switching on a light is lighting a fire so what we believe and what's important to to remember is when we uh, were told that we have to slaughter animals if we want to sacrifice them there was there's nothing in the Torah at all that talks about how to slaughter and where to slaughter it you know, there's a certain knife that we use. You're supposed to cut to um, the windpipe and the food pipe. Um, and it's very, very precise. It does not make sense 
that God would have said, you know what, just slaughter it, uh, you know, any way you want. It makes more sense that God would have given us instructions. And it makes more sense that he would have given us instructions about Shabbos as well. So that's where the oral Torah comes in. And there was a time period when the Romans were harassing the Jews and trying to, you know, prevent them from learning Torah. And they realized that there was a danger that the oral Torah would get lost, that they took the decision to write the oral Torah down. And, and that's basically where we get the Talmud today. So, um, so the Talmud is really the written version of the oral Torah. That's correct. Except. Okay. Okay. That, good. Right. It, it, except there's a. Um, you the have Midrash. The, what would that be though? So the, so I'll, I'll come back to the Midrash in a moment in the, the Talmud consists of really two parts is the Mishnah and then there's oh, okay. the Gomorrah. Okay. So the, so the Mishnah is this concise uh, set of laws. And then the Gomorrah is a discussion by lots of rabbis about all kinds of subjects related to those laws. To in the those Mishnah. laws. Okay. Now, I gotcha. But even in the Mishnah, there are disagreements. You'll see a disagreement, let's say, between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, which, uh, you know, uh, which way to light the candles on, on Hanukkah. So there were discussions, even in the Mishnah, disagreements. And so the question arises, when, Mo when God gave Moses the, the Torah on Mount Sinai, uh, did he say which way to light the candles for Hanukkah? Now you're going to say, well, there's no mitzvah in the Torah to light the menorah. That only came much later. But let's just assume that, uh, according to the opinion that says that God told him even the rabbinic, you know, mitzvahs, everything that was going to come for all time, he told Moses on Mount Sinai. So there's a lot of discussion. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, how do we understand the fact that there are disagreements in the oral Torah and in the Mishnah? Where did those come from? And how how is it possible that uh, we can understand what God really meant if we don't have a, a clear tradition uh, and the only thing i would say is that if you go into any yeshiva anywhere in the world today what they spend most of their day and night doing is studying the the talmud the gomorrah and when you spend time studying gomorrah you see why you see that it's the lifeblood of the jewish people it's what's kept us if you look at all the cities in the world that have survived through the generations, the ones that had yeshivas that learned Talmud were the ones that survived because there's something about learning Talmud that um, that protects the Jewish people and keeps us keeps us alive. And so, the midrash. I give you a, I give you an example. I give you a, a one simple example of a midrash. It says that. Uh, when Moses was born, uh, her mother put, put him in a basket and put him in the Nile. And um, he floated down the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and it says stretched out her hand. Now, there's two understandings of what that means. One is that she sent one of her maid servants or slaves to go get the basket but there's another opinion that says that she literally stretched out her arm and her arm miraculously extended 
<coughs> and, um, and reached the basket and she was able to pull it in. Now that is a midrash. That, that idea that she stretched out her arm and extended is a midrash. So what the rabbis do, and you can, you know, we get some sense of it when we when you look at the Torah and, and things don't make sense and, and, and you ask questions about it. They, they were um, on a much higher spiritual level than us. And they understood the Torah much better. They were able to look at the verses and see messages in them and they explained them through the Midrash. So it could be that the message in this case is that she extended herself. She was Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh had issued a decree to kill all the newborn males. And she went against her own father's wishes and probably had, you know, threat, you know, put her life in danger to save, to save Moses. But we also say that uh, we can't say that it didn't actually happen, that she didn't, that her arm didn't extend miraculously. But it, typically the Midrash is our messages and, me, and, and lessons from the written Torah. And the Midrash is very often quoted in the, in the Talmud. You have, you have the Midrash separately, but parts of the Midrash are quoted in the Talmud because the, the same people that wrote down the Mishnah are the same people who wrote down the Midrash. So very often you'll find Midrashim that uh, is actually fascinating. Studying the Midrash is really fascinating. <coughs> but a great question, Steve. All right. Marty, how about you? You haven't asked any questions. Oh, Lou's got a question. I have two questions. Okay. You'll get, you're, you're giving... Uh, uh, Marty, Marty bequeathed one of his questions to that's me. That's right. So Thanks. Okay. Uh, the first question might be sim uh, simpler than the second one. The first one is, if if Aaron and Miriam were, were bad-mouthing Moses, why is it that Miriam was the only one punished? That's a great question. That is a very good question. So, you see, if you had an art scroll chumash, then you'd, be able, <laughs> oh. then you'd be able to answer it. So let's then take a look. To, then I wouldn't have to be on these calls. Right. <laughs> let's 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 take a look and let's see what um, Zev, Lou, and, and Marty and Howard. I apologize. I do have to go. Um, but thanks for your time today. Uh, see you next week. Yeah, right, Stephen, send me a new picture of your your grandson. I, I absolutely will. Thank All you. Right. I will. All right. Um, so if you look on page, Lou, on page yes. 797 in the art scroll chumash that Marty's going to send you this week, you can write yes. down page 797. It says, only Miriam was afflicted because she had instigated the criticism of Moshe. If she was punished even through her, though her intention was not to demean him, Surely people should beware of truly speaking ill of anyone. So I think it's a fantastic question, but that's what's great about uh, about the art school Chumash. It gives you a lot of commentary and probably, hopefully, gets you to ask even more questions than uh, than the answers. Okay, that was your first question. What's your that second question? That was my first question. My second question is a little more complicated. I think it is. Okay. But, uh, you know, um, obviously we read the Torah and we read the Torah in sequence. Um, but at the end of every Torah reading, of course, we have a Haftorah. Haftorah seldom has anything to do with the Torah portion we read. Might have some, something to do with the time of year. So, yeah, but 
how how was the half how is or how was the half Torah selected for each parsha? Okay, that's also a fantastic question. I don't know exactly when the Haftorahs were selected. Uh, and it's also quite, like you said, it's quite hard to find the connection between the Haftorah and the Parsha. But if you take a look in the Art Scroll Chumash that, uh, that Marty's going to get for you this week, for example, for example, Let's take a look at, at this week's Torah. This week's Torah is, um, uh, let's see what it's about. Um, and, and we'll see. And then I'll try to answer your other questions. So uh, the Torah is from the book of Zechariah, Zechariah, and... I'm not going to go through it all, but it says over here, the parasha opens with a discussion of the daily menorah lighting in the temple, in the tabernacle of the temple, and the Haftorah speaks of the vision of a menorah and an angel's prophetic interpretation of that vision. Um, but then he goes on to greater detail um, uh, and explains, because it's not just uh, a direct connection. There's got to be some meaning behind uh, more deeper meaning behind it. But on page 1182, Marty uh, and Lou, you can read about the Torah. But why uh, why were the Torah selected that they were? Like I said, um, I would say that all of them have got a connection to the parasha. It's only rare weeks when we when we break away and we read uh, special Torahs on Rosh Chodesh or on the holidays. Um Let's see if there's something about, um, okay, it doesn't actually, doesn't actually say anything. Okay, so that's going to be, that'll be a little bit of homework. I mean, it is, it, it is written down, but uh, let's, let's see if we can, um, if I can find an answer for you by next week of how did they actually make okay. that, make that selection. And by the way, you know, different communities have got different customs, Swardim, Ashkenazim, Hasidim. Um, have got sometimes different customs of how long they are and, and which ones to read. Okay, it's uh, 3.51. Any other last questions? And then uh, I'll wish you all a, a good Shabbos. Um, all right, then. Okay, so uh, just w wishing you all a very good Shabbos. Uh, I will just, you know, uh, tell you that uh, uh, there's there's a lot of interesting discussion just about the menorah and why it's brought right here in the uh, in this week's Torah portion. It seems to be out of place, but I don't have time to go into now. Maybe we'll do it next year. But if you get a chance to go onto h.com or you know, or Samaic's website or .edu, maybe you'll, you'll have an answer for me. I mean, I'm you know you are allowed to learn or read something. In fact, that's you're going to just make my my job more difficult. If you buy the article Chumash, then you're going to start having lots more questions for me. And uh, probably you'll be able to start giving a class yourself pretty soon. Um, all right, Marty, thanks again for dinner, and uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks Howard. Bye-bye.